Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I'm your host, Mitchell Crossan, and we're diving into the college football playoff semifinal games that are coming up here on New Year's Eve. So on this pod, we're going to talk about Alabama and Cincinnati, some of the players on each team, who has the edge, matchup-wise, which I think is going to be really interesting to watch, Jameson Williams versus Cincinnati's corners, etc., and what we think of each team. I think this is a matchup that has potential to be a really good game. I think that each team presents strengths and challenges that can challenge and really make it difficult for the other team to prevail. So let's go ahead and dive on in and see what we got going on in this matchup. So let's go ahead and dive into the Alabama Crimson Tide. So in a new year with some new teams, shout out Michigan and Cincinnati. We also have SEC friendly Georgia, who isn't new to the playoff, but isn't a normal guest. We are not talking Clemson. We are not talking Ohio State. And we are not talking Oklahoma. But we are talking Alabama. And that is the one thing that has stayed consistent with the CFP this year. So as we know with Alabama, SEC champ coming off of a big win over Georgia. 12-1 overall, with their only loss on the year coming on the road to Texas A&M. Here is my concern with Alabama just off the bat. We have seen the highs and the lows, like you like you see with every team across the country. But it feels like this Nick Saban team has had some pretty bad lows that we don't normally see with Alabama. So let's go ahead and talk about this loss to Texas A&M. On the road, yes. Early in October, yes. Young team, new quarterback, yes, but they played fine. Bryce Young and Jamison Williams were able to connect for some big touchdowns in that game. But remember, in the offseason, a lot of people were very high on Texas A&M like they are every year. And what have we seen from the Aggies? 8-4, and four, which what feels like for the ninth time in 10 years. I feel like every year, Texas A&M goes 8-4. and four. Leading up to the Alabama game, I think Texas A&M, I know they had two losses, but I think they dropped two straight in back-to-back weeks. So regardless of whether or not they were going to beat Alabama, which we know they did, they were out of the CFP discussion. And so like at that point, you're not going to call this season a failure. I don't know if you'd call it a grand success after you beat Bama. Yes, you saw them to enjoy that win a little bit, but they were below expectations. So I think for Alabama, not being able to go in there, nail the coffin in and come out with a win, is concerning, being that Texas A&M, they are bouncing around quarterbacks. They did not look good in the previous weeks. They had multiple losses on the year, and Alabama was not able to stop them on offense. Alabama defensively has some really good players, like as we know, Will Anderson at linebacker. I think he took fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting. But they're vulnerable. A&M was able to move the ball, and at the end of the day, they were, they were the better team that day. And that was definitely a low that we saw from the Crimson Tide. Another low, and this was something I was concerned about for weeks leading up to the game, was on the road versus Auburn. And I was actually, I was really thinking about picking Auburn to win that game. Because what we've seen from Auburn is that they're not afraid to not only play Alabama, but we see them beat Alabama every couple years or so. And I thought being that, you know what? Bo Nix is a seasoned veteran. Alabama has shown holes this year. It's on the road at Auburn. 
the recipe for success was set up in Auburn's favor, and then Bo Nix gets hurt. And even then, Auburn should have won the darn game, but they lose. And now part of it was Auburn, you know, mismanaging the clock, shooting themselves in their own foot by not getting out of bounds, giving the ball back to Bryce Young in Alabama and letting him go down, put together a fantastic drive and setting the game into overtime, which eventually, after a little bit of back and forth, Alabama prevails. But what's a big part about why that game was so close? Alabama could not move the ball. They have trouble running the ball, which we saw against LSU early in the year. And so they almost feel one-dimensional at times. When you combine that with the fact that they have limited weapons and an offensive line that is shaky at best, then you see them struggle. And like you see like a 10-10 to game like you saw against Auburn. And Auburn had their backup quarterback playing, and they still should have won that game. Sticking with that Auburn game, in the first half, Jamison Williams, their probably top skill player and arguably one of the best wide receivers in the country, if not the best this year, went out with a targeting call. So he couldn't play in the second half. That forced Bryce Young in Alabama to lean on really their only second weapon, John Mechie, a wide receiver, who really has more of like a you know, a third down, we need a six yards kind of feel to him versus his counterpart, Jameson Williams, is the big big play threat. He's the guy that when he he steps on the field, he's always the fastest guy on the field. He has like four, three speed, it looks like. But outside of those two weapons, Jameson Williams and John Mechie, it really doesn't feel like Alabama has any other guys that they can lean on. And as we saw in the SEC championship game against Georgia, John Mechie towards ACL, so he's out for the year. So that forces Alabama, who already feels one-dimensional at times, to have to lean on Jamison Williams and see what they can make what they can make out of it. Now, I'm not that concerned in this sense as I was when Jamison Williams went out in the Auburn game, because I would take Jamison Williams over John Mechie, and I think you can do a lot more with Jamison as he opens up the field and forces you to take good angles and make sure that you don't over pursuit but Cincinnati is not going to be a rollover and they have some really good players in the back end that we're going to talk about and so we'll get into Cincinnati in a little bit but I just don't know who else can Alabama lean on John Mechie's already out so they're going to be directing a lot of plays they're going to have a lot of direct concepts to Jameson Williams and we'll see if Cincinnati can respond looking at position by position in this game I think Alabama does have the clear advantage in a couple of areas. One being they do have what most people think is the best quarterback in the country in Bryce Young, who's also the Heisman Trophy winner. So that's a plus. You also have the greatest collegiate head coach of all time, which when you give him multiple weeks of preparation, we normally see what he can do with that. And that means it leads to championships. Then you also have what is arguably the best defensive player in the country, with Will Anderson, and then arguably the best wide receiver in the country with Jameson Williams. So, as you can see, they're top-heavy, and things do build on themselves. The only thing that is concerning, and we just talked about this, on the offensive side with the wide receivers, especially with John Mechie being out, defensively, Alabama does have guys that are also good at their positions, like they have Jordan Battle, etc. This is just not that solidified, you know, can't penetrate front seven 
that Alabama has had in years past. Now, I'm not sure if Cincinnati is going to control the line of scrimmage, especially when they have the ball offensively. I just don't think that outside of Will Anderson, who is going to be that star making up these big plays for the Alabama Crimson Tide on the defensive side of the ball? Okay, so let's go ahead and jump over to the other side of the ball and look at Cincinnati and their matchups. So as we know, undefeated, 13-0, AAC champ with their signature win over Notre Dame, who's only lost came to Cincinnati. So that was a really good win by 11 on the road for the Bearcats. And as we're all aware at this point, I mean, that's probably the biggest reason why they're in outside of the fact that they are 13-0. But let's look at what this team has and why I think, frankly, this could be a game. So at quarterback, you have your seasoned veteran with Desmond Ritter, someone that has consistently grown over the last couple of years and feels a lot more than just a game manager. This is this is someone that has a dual threat feel to him and he can move the ball with his legs as needed. And I think that's going to be a very important element for Cincinnati when they are on the offensive side of the ball. Because when you're Alabama and you're game planning for Cincinnati, and this, this is true for any team when you're on defense, if the quarterback is a true run threat, that is just another added element that you have to respect and make sure that you take that into account. So if I'm Cincinnati, I'm going to call some read option. I'm going to call some designated runs for Desmond Ritter. Now, God forbid, you don't want him to get hurt because he's a big reason why that Cincinnati can stay in this game and make it a really good game with potential to win. But you have to keep this Alabama defense at home, and that'll open up their front seven a little bit more and open up that playbook for Cincinnati. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball, and this is where I think Cincinnati actually has a really big edge and will be a great matchup to watch, is that back seven, well, really back five for Cincinnati, who really feels like they have a 4-2-5 base defense that they run. So they have DBs flying all over the field. But they have, you know, their consensus All-Americans with their cornerback tandem in Kobe Bryant and Ahmad Sauce Gardner. And remember, Kobe Bryant is arguably, really, I don't know how much you can argue. I mean, he's the top corner in the sport to comb the Jim Thorpe Award, which goes to the top defensive back. And then you have Sauce Gardner at the other corner spot. These guys are athletes. These guys play man-to-man. I'm really excited to see that matchup against Jameson Williams. Because now they don't have to worry about John Mechie as much. And Jameson Williams is the big play threat. So I think he was really more of the concern. But now they can really lock in on him with their 4-2-5 defense. Especially playing that man-to-man coverage. So... We'll see what kind of blitz packages that Cincinnati will bring. They did sack Houston, I believe, eight times in the AAC championship game. And a lot of those sacks came off of a blitz package. And you're able to do that when you have guys like Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner on the outside locking up these wide receivers in man-to-man coverage. This is why this John Mechie torn ACL thing is such a big deal because Alabama their wide receiver room is not what it was the past couple of years. Jameson Williams is a great player, but now he's their only weapon on the offensive side. Cincinnati knows that, and they have the athletes to lock him down. 
when you combine that with the fact that they like to bring these blitz packages because they know that their back five can hold up, Alabama's offensive line is already shaky. They could put Bryce Young in some really tough spots. And you already know, if I'm a defensive player or a defensive coach for Cincinnati, the ball is going to Jameson Williams. Alabama does not have their Derrick Henry or their Najee Harris at running back. Their only weapon right now, their significant big play weapon, is Jamison Williams. And so this gives Cincinnati a huge advantage, and they can just add it on to what they already have in the backside of their defense. And so if I'm Cincinnati, I'm actually feeling pretty comfortable that our defense is going to do a good job keeping us in this game. Okay, so when I first saw when the line opened up, I think it was... Alabama favored by 13 and a half, and then I thought I saw it fluctuate around that 14 number for a bit. So a lot of people are feeling Alabama by two touchdowns, and I just don't know how accurate that feels in my head. So remember, Cincinnati played Georgia last year in the New Year's Six Bowl. Now, I know it's not that related because it's just a completely different season, but Cincinnati, I mean, that felt like their game. In a lot of ways. Now, Georgia was able to come out with the win in that game. But Cincinnati has continually improved year after year, including against Georgia last year, where they saw them go against some real competition, some real talent. And I think the Cincinnati team is way better this year than last year. You just look at the season vet that they have on offense and quarterback with Desmond Ritter, how dominant the corners and their back seven are on the defensive side of the ball. I I just think this is a recipe for success for the Bearcats. Going back to the 2019 season, I think it was week three or early on in the season, Cincinnati rolled into town in Columbus, Ohio and took on Ohio State, which was that really good Ohio State team that had first-year quarterback Justin Fields, just got him out of the transfer portal. You had Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, J.K. Dobbins. That team was stacked. But Cincinnati, with a young Desmond Ritter and a young team and a Luke Fickle coach who still felt like he was getting acculated to being a head coach in these big-time games against these premier programs, rolled into Columbus, and I think they lost 42 to nothing. I, I didn't know what really went wrong for Cincinnati in that game. I mean, yes, you're playing against one of the best Ohio State teams that have been, that's been put together in the last 20 years. So just from a sheer talent perspective, you were outmatched. But it felt like Luke Fickle, their coach, just didn't have them ready to play. And then watching the press conference post game, I mean, he just looked, he just looked really worn down and just disappointed. And I mean, almost shocked at the shutout here. And if I remember correctly, I thought that Luke Fickle didn't let his Cincinnati team talk to the media in the week leading up to the Ohio State game. So for those of you that don't know, or for those of you that forgot, Luke Fickle has big ties to Ohio State. So remember, he was on the Ohio State staff for many years. He was the interim head coach in 2011 after the Tattoo Gate scandal, I guess we'll call it, took place and forced Jim Tressel to resign. That moved Luke Fickle into the interim head coaching role. And then he stayed on as the defensive coordinator with Urban Meyer 
for many years after that before eventually leaving and saying, hey, you know what? I'm ready to be a head coach. Cincinnati reached out and said, you know what? We'd love to have you. And the rest is history. The point is that was Luke Fickle's big return back to Columbus being on the other side of the ball. And they just, they were not ready to play. You could clearly see the levels between the Ohio State Buckeyes at that point and the Cincinnati Bearcats in 2019. Since then, since that game, Cincinnati has looked good week after week after week and has improved year after year. I remember going into that game, being an Ohio State fan, people were talking about, oh gosh, I I just really don't know if, I mean, is this going to be a little bit of a game? Cincinnati has some players, you know, Luke Fickle knows how Ohio State works. Could it be a game? Then Ohio State just runs away with it. And then later on that season, we got to the point where Ohio State fans are looking at Cincinnati and going, is Cincinnati going to be ranked? Is this going to be another ranked win for Ohio State at the end of the year? And then obviously we saw what happened last year in 2020 with a really good Cincinnati team that hung in there with Georgia, just couldn't quite pull out the win. And they here they are now, undefeated, with a real shot at the national championship. Truly a great job by Luke Fickle from the point where he didn't have his team ready to play against Ohio State in 2019. He's had his team ready to play week after week since then. And I think he's done a marvelous job for the Bearcats. Okay, so let's go ahead and look at this game from its whole perspective. A little bit of a more broad view and get a real feel for what we think is going to happen and how we think this game is going to play out. And I, I've been thinking to myself, and I think I've been saying this, Cincinnati really has a almost like a Cinderella March Madness feel, to me at least. And when I'm filling out my March Madness bracket, I am looking at the teams. Okay, who's hot right now? Who's hot at the right time? Who who has gone on a, you know, eight-game win streak? Or who has gone 10-2? and two? In their last 12 games. So let's look at the teams who have won their conference championship. You know, maybe a team like an Oregon State who have got hot at the right time, UCLA. And that strategy seems to work out really well. And that's part of what March Madness is. Teams that are hot at the right time, who's hitting their stride right now? Because most likely and more often than not, they're, they're going to continue to ride that wave into March Madness. Almost has a similar feel here, and I've been thinking about that with Cincinnati. And really, the wave isn't just from the last couple games. The wave has been really since the Georgia game last year, where they were put on that national stage, and it was, okay, Cincinnati, you're looking kind of cute, but let's see what you can actually do against some real competition and a real SEC team. And they damn near won. So since then... It's just been an avalanche gunning towards the playoff, and they were going to get in. There was no way they were going to get out of the playoff after winning all 13 games, including their signature win over Notre Dame. So keys to the game, Alabama offensively, they really need someone else to step up other than Jameson Williams. We, we know what Williams is going to bring. He's the fastest guy on the field whenever he plays. He looks like he has 4-3 speed. But he had that tandem with John Mechie, and they were the only two weapons that Alabama has had all year. Now that John Mechie is out with an ACL, who else does Alabama have that's going to step up and provide some relief for Bryce Young and take some of the attention 
off of Jamison Williams and have them hold Cincinnati's corners accountable for that second weapon. Cincinnati defensively, we kind of touched upon it a little bit already, but we know that they're going to bring some blitz packages, which is going to throw Alabama and Bryce Young off. Alabama does have a shaky offensive line as is, especially with them only having to key in on Jamison Williams being their only true big-time skill player. That's going to allow the back five with that 4-2-5 base defense for Cincinnati to play man coverage, and Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner, the corners, can key in on Jamison, and I'm really excited to see that matchup. On the defensive side of the ball for Alabama, they're going to have to key in and try to make Cincinnati one-dimensional as well. If they can shut down Cincinnati's run game, they can really defend the pass. Now, on that flip side of it, for Cincinnati, they're going to have to make sure that Desmond Ritter is involved in the run game, whether it's read options, quarterback draws, designated runs, or just rollouts, etc. He's going to have to be a gamer because when you have that added element of the quarterback run added in, that opens up so much more because that gives the opposing team's defense one more element to worry about. They can't just bite on the read option if they know you're going to hand it off every time. So I do think we will see Desmond Ritter's legs involved in the game, and that's really going to open things up for the Bearcats. Okay, so now my thoughts on how I think the game's going to play out. And I've really gone a little bit back and forth on this. I I am confident. I, I do think Cincinnati is really going to make this a game, especially if they can stretch the field and if their 4-2-5 defense does what I think they're going to do. And I think part of that is going to be they have one leg up already, not only because they have their All-American corners, but because Alabama feels one-dimensional at times and only has their one skill player with Jameson Williams to rely on. John Mechie's out with that torn ACL. So I do think that that Cincinnati Bearcat defense with those corners and those blitz packages that they're going to bring is can put Alabama and Bryce Young in a tough spot. I do not think that's going to be that easy for Alabama to move the ball in this game. I mean, what's the case for Alabama? I don't know. The Heisman Trophy winner and the greatest college football coach of all time. And then what's the case for Cincinnati? A team that has a Cinderella feel, has the the, the David feel versus, and the David versus Goliath argument, but has consistently shown improvement and is on the up and up. They have some of the best corners in the country, so they have talent themselves. Just the one thing that pops into the back of my mind is, what if Alabama steamrolls and wins by 17? Right? Like, Alabama has the talent edge, has the head coaching edge, has the edge at quarterback. Not saying that I don't like Desmond Ritter. I do. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks in college football this year. And then obviously we know that I like Cincinnati's defense, especially their defensive backs. There's just the element of Alabama could come out swinging. Jamison Williams could have 220 yards receiving and three touchdowns. And Bryce Young could throw a four, 450 and three quarters. So I think it's going to be a game. I'm excited to watch it. And so we'll see how it plays out. In the meantime, that is going to conclude this episode and this preview. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned for the next pod to come out the following Sunday where we're going to talk about our Georgia-Michigan preview, which is going to be a great game, I think. I think those two teams match up really well. 
I'm curious to see if any news will come out surrounding the quarterbacks. Stenson Bennett, JT Daniels, Cade McNamara, JJ McCarthy, whatever. So, curious to see what's going to go on there. We may not hear anything until a little bit later, but stay tuned for that to be our next episode and our second preview of the CFP. One other thing to note, we are currently running a promotion on our social media accounts. So we are running two different giveaways. Both are a $50 Fanatics gift card giveaway, one on each Twitter and Instagram. So go ahead and check us out on Instagram at Silent Exposure on Twitter at Silent Exposed. You can see the, you can see the rules to enter. And if you enter correctly, you'll be entered to win one of these $50 gift cards. And mind you, there are two different promotions, one on each. So if you want to enter in Twitter and enter in Instagram, I don't know, maybe you'll get lucky and win both. And that's a hundred bucks total. So go ahead and check us out there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to SE. If you enjoyed the pod, leave us a rating and review and we'll catch you next time.